Executives and the Chief of Staff to Dean Greg Mancios, and he asked me to come and bring you welcoming remarks just to say hello, and we hope you have a wonderful event, and welcome to the CUNY School of Labor and Urban Studies, and I'm going to leave you for your wonderful program. Enjoy. I just wanted to welcome everybody to come out on a Friday afternoon to enjoy this screening. Um, I'm Catherine Ma. I'm one of the board members of ARI, the Asian American Asian Research Institute of CUNY. For over 20 years, ARI has been a CUNY-wide research and resource institute <clears throat> that is formerly housed at Queens College. It has fostered a safe space for research, education, in Asian American Asian studies um, that includes public programming such as lectures, symposium, conferences, professional development, community building, networking, and also activities that serve the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities at CUNY and also beyond CUNY's walls. We're very excited to host this screening of Dear Corky, a short film by Curtis Chin about Corky Lee, who was a wonderful ally to Ari and a very beloved documentarian of Asian American communities in New York City over numerous decades. We also want to welcome Frank Wu, the president of Queens College. Frank is the 11th president of Queens College, and prior to joining CUNY, he was the chancellor and dean and the then William F. Prozer Distinguished Professor at the, institute, at, at the institution previously known as University of California Hastings, the original law school of the UC system. And prior to joining the UC system, he was a member of the faculty at Howard University, one of the most prominent historically black college universities for over a decade. And in his leadership roles, as well as being a faculty at Howard, he was the first Asian American to serve at that capacity. So that is a big thing. And in rec recognition of his exceptional leadership, he was sel selected for the Chang Lin Tian Award in 2008, and for his advocacy work, he received the John Hope Franklin Award in 2020. Frank is also the author of Yellow, Race in America Beyond Black and White, which was reprinted in a hardcover. He received his BA from John Hopkins University and his JD with honors from the University of Michigan. So let's give a warm welcome to Frank Lee. My Asian immigrant parents would be very proud of uh, that generous introduction. This is really about Curtis and Corky, so I just want to say welcome. Welcome to this wonderful program that Ari has put on. It's just terrific to see all of you on a Friday afternoon. I'll be very brief. I'll just say a few words uh, about Curtis, about Corky, uh, and then about uh, the world's borough. Well, let me start with uh, Curtis. He and I go back decades, actually, because we're both from Detroit, the Motor City, and his family ran the most prominent Chinese-American restaurant there, and he has his memoirs coming out uh, later this year that will talk about what it was like in the Midwest, in a place best known, regrettably, for the infamous murder of Vincent Chin, the subject of uh, another documentary uh, that Curtis has done. And that perspective, someplace where 
Asian Americans aren't nearly as common as here in New York City is invaluable. It gives us a sense of what it means really to be, in the words of Ronald Takaki, strangers from a different shore. I read just a little blurb about uh, these memoirs, and, and I know that they will be compelling because just the couple of sentences I, I read were profound in explaining to me something that I always maybe knew, but, but Curtis put it into words, that uh, when you're a minority like that, you're always answering to the dictates of your social superiors. You always know you have a subordinate position, no matter how hard you try. You know, my parents always said, just try harder. And no matter how much you try, you can't ever meet the standards set by someone else. Someone who knew that well was Corky Lee, someone who, who was a pioneer, who was unique. Uh, over the years, I, I would run into him at events from coast to coast. Sometimes I'd be invited to speak, and it seemed that everywhere I went, Corky was there with his camera. It was really amazing to see his dedication uh, and to see his craft because he truly documented in a way that no one had before and probably no one, no one will uh, after him the meaning of Asian American community life, of activism, whether uh, it was after the Vincent Chin case or here with the outbreak of the, the pandemic that, that took his life as it did so many loved ones. Finally, I'd like to say just a word about Queens. I'm, uh, of course, uh, biased in favor of Queens uh, and Queens College. And if you didn't know, I don't know if it's in the documentary because I haven't seen it, but Corky attended Queens College. So we're proud to claim him as an alum. And they used to say all roads lead to Rome. I'd like to believe all roads lead to Queens because it's a place that welcomes people from the world over because America beckons, New York City beckons, but there's a specific part of New York City, Flushing, Queens, which you, if you haven't visited, you know, in the 1970s and the 1980s, Flushing is not a place that you would have commended to anyone to visit. But now it is vibrant, it is entrepreneurial, it has come roaring back, and it has really the best Asian food you're going to find anywhere uh, in New York City, the best cheap ethnic food. You can find pricey Chinese food now, but you're not going to find a place where uh, you can still get dumplings of every regional Chinese cuisine as well as Korean cuisine, Filipino Peruvian Chinese, Indo-Caribbean, you name it. There are so many cultures and countries that are represented. And that's where Corky was from. And that, I'm sure, will be part of this story. So it is my pleasure to, to welcome uh, Curtis. He honors us with his presence to, to bring this new movie that we're able to see. And I want to thank all of you, but especially our filmmaker who will be engaged in, in conversation, which I know will be so meaningful. Thank you once again for joining us at this special event presented by Ari. I want to start the Q&A by thanking you for such an incredible piece of history. It was so touching. Yeah, um, I don't know how many people here actually knew Corky personally, but he was just such a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, oh, well, first I should thank Frank, um, you know, for sponsoring this, and Queens College, and thank you to AARI for bringing everybody out um, and giving us this opportunity to, uh, 
you know, discuss Corky and his legacy. Um, you know, yeah, as I, as I was saying, um, it was an honor to sort of uh, uh, make this film. It wasn't something I had intended to do because we were actually filming Corky for a different project called Our Chinatown, which was looking at gentrification and other issues affecting uh, the older Chinatowns in the U.S. because I grew up in one that disappeared, the one in Detroit, and I was wondering if this is, was the future. And so we were about 80% done with filming, and then COVID hits, and we had to shut down, and we're like, okay, two, three months, we'll wait it out, and then we'll continue filming. But two, three months extended, and even worse, the conversation had changed. It was no longer about gentrification and aging population. Now it was about Asian hate crimes. And so we didn't know what was going to happen with the film and the footage that we had already shot. And then sadly, Corky passed away. And, um, you know, if I had to be honest with you, I had other projects I'd worked on, I'd moved on to, and I didn't really have the time to finish this. But um, I felt like it's something that the community would want and uh, Corky would want. So, um, you know, my, my, our team really, you know, uh, put our effort to, to finish the film. So, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Chinatown in the 70s. So watching all the different images that you used, it brought back a lot of memories that I hadn't thought about in a very long time. You know, just, just having him sit with that Toysan grandma, and they were just talking, it made me think about my own grandma. Very, very touching. Well, yeah, I mean, we really wanted to tie Corky's story and his history with the community because it, they were so inextricably linked, right? I mean, you couldn't think of Corky without thinking of Chinatown, without thinking of the Asian American community. And so, yeah, I mean, he was, again, a very special person. So, um, I wanted to ask you, based on, you know, Corky took so many pictures of all these different events that were happening in, in Chinatown. How were you able to choose the pictures for your documentary? <laughs> That's probably what took the longest time. I mean, and we didn't even get most of the photos, right, because his, uh, his records were not very well organized. And so we did the best we could. And a lot of times I just had to email everybody I knew in the community and ask them to send what photos you had. Uh, and we think we got most of them. And part of it is that um, we did work with Corky in terms of, because uh, we shot so much of the film already, right? And so we were able to have conversations with him um, while we were sitting around waiting to be able to film again. We actually started to put together a cut of what that other film would look like, including his segments. And one of the good things that, that makes me feel good about the film is that he started, he, he saw some of those um, versions that we were having in the early parts of putting it together. And he really, he actually started showing the film around to other people. And we're like, wait a second, not, you know, the film's not done. And he actually um, picked a lot of the photos. Wow. Because the way we sort of um, were talking to him, you know, particularly after, you know, I mean, as we were looking at his photos was that uh, we wanted, uh, one of the things that Corky often talked about was not getting his own gallery showing here in New York, his own solo show. And we felt like this was his chance to sort of do it. And that's why the film is all in his voice pretty much, right? Like nobody else really talks. It's all his voice. It's all his photographs. There's nobody else's photos in here. And so this was Corky's chance to have his show, his say, his chance to describe his legacy the way he wants you to remember him, not hopefully not filtered through anybody else, not through me, not through my editor, our DP, but really, you know, we tried our best to honor what Corky was saying about his life, you know, um, when we were filming him.
And I think you did an excellent job. Oh, thank you. Having, you know, his presence be the main focus of this film. Um, I wanted to know, what do you think, what would you want your viewers to leave after watching this? Uh, uh, yeah, just, you know, Corky was a great guy. I, I don't, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and that he did a lot for the community and that, I guess for younger people that they could also play a role too. I mean, those that's those were his uh, call call to arms at the end, right? Like he was in some ways challenging the next generation um, of young people to sort of take on that mantle. And in some small way, I'd like to think that I'm contributing it to it to that. I I could never replace him. I don't think one person could ever replace Corky. You know, I think as Frank had mentioned earlier, but maybe together, collectively, we could all contribute a little bit and to help with that. You know, and so if I can. You know, provide a small little piece of that that puzzle, then then I feel like I've done my job. Yeah. Because one thing that I do is that I teach a psych of immigration class, and this is definitely something that I want to show my students because it's it sends a very different message of the power of solidarity among the Asian American community, and it gives uh, a different narrative that Asian Americans are very strong. They are active in protesting and standing up for advocacy that, that the mainstream media often doesn't have that point of view. Mm. So um, what kind of access will this film be allowed to the general public? Uh, well, we're talking to Canopy, which is, you guys probably have Canopy. So it'll be on Canopy. So if you're involved with the library or school, you can watch it you know, there. Um, uh, we're talking to PBS, but we've been talking to them for a while. They say they want it. Really? Like they're really yeah. slow. So I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they say they want it. They say they've gotten approved internally. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then at some point, like I did with my first film, Vincent Who, I'll just put it online for free so people can watch it. But I can't do that until I sort out what PBS wants to do with it. You know what I mean? So at some point, if they don't do anything, then I'll just do it. But until then, I can't do anything personally, but I can put it on Canopy. So you'll be able to access it probably, I think, next month. Oh, wow, that's yeah. great. I yeah. will definitely keep that in mind. Um, is it okay if we open the floor for some questions? Does anyone have any questions or comments about the film? Yes. Well, it's it, there's a little controversy tension, you know. Um, I try to avoid it, but you know um, there are different sides because unfortunately, Corky did not leave a will, um, and so there's some disagreements. I'll just leave it that way. Um, to me, I hope that they can reconcile their differences, whatever they may be, because time is critical. Because if you know from all his photographs. He had a lot of stuff that he took from the 70s, and sadly, those people are passing away. And one of the beautiful things about Corky is that when he looked at his photographs, he knew everybody that was in that photograph. He could identify them, why they were there, and all that stuff. We lost that because he never did that. Like that small segment that we did with him where he, he explained those photos, he should have done that with all 100,000 photos of his, really, seriously, right? Uh, but he didn't do it. And so there's all this potential lost memory. And what I would like to encourage the family or whoever ends up you know, uh, with the collection is to crowdsource it, put it up online for free so that people can look at it and identify their family members, I, uh, fill in the gaps of that history because 
he probably has the whole history of New York City's Chinatown for those six, um, 70s and 80s and 90s, and it would be really, really wonderful. Um, because one of the good things about Corky, too, is that he not only, um, you know, covered the, you know, people that like to uh, hog the camera, right? Because there are some people who like that, right? But he also caught the people who are the worker bees, you know, behind the scenes. And those people should be elevated, too, I think. And so I, I feel like, you know... Um, that memory, I would love for people to say like, oh, that was my uncle or that was my aunt, that was my mom who was there, you know, and explain that story to us so that we get a full picture. But um, until they sort this out, we can't move forward on it. And so I, I, I you know, I, I tried to stay neutral in it, but I hope that they can solve their, their issues. Yeah. Anybody else? Was a, a photo exhibit of Corky's, or it just happened to include oh, one of? Prominent sort of New Yorkers. Oh, um, wow. Yes, they yeah. Them out, so I just but if you do have those photos and you do feel like you want to share them with the family, <laughs> I'm sure they would. I mean, any any collection, right? I mean, and if you could even notate like the date of the wedding and other specific things like that, I mean, that also fills in Corky's legacy, right? Because you know he didn't. Just take community things, but um, and I don't know if you paid him or not. Hope, you know, but see, yeah, he he did have to make money. Yeah, he had to make money too, and that's part of the artist stories too. Is that in addition to these community things, he was also able to do take wedding photos for quite a few people. I've had a lot of people say, "Oh, he took my wedding photos," and maybe that was a small way of him also making that extra few bucks that allowed him then to go out and do the other community stuff. And I think that's part of understanding the. Um, the, the life of an artist too because um, on top of just understanding Corky one of the things that we wanted to do as the filmmakers was also just make him like a universal artist like anybody could watch this film if you know a writer, an actor, or whatever you can see the struggles that artists have to go through the sacrifices they have to make and so I think that is partly uh, filling in that picture too, right? Which other department? Which other department you said you were? LaGuardia. Oh, LaGuardia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. As an Asian American, 
Support the artists. <laughs> support the artists. Ah, uh, yes. How about the, the AARI starter, a website so people can upload a photo? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is, again, uh, nothing better than yeah. the institute to start yes. it and, and it could be a part of a living history so that the younger generation can see all the advocacy and feel proud of their uh, Asian, Chinese-American pride to see this history that is often not taught in the textbooks. So if you have something like that, I hope the, the two parties will meet together and embrace it. We'll work on that. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, uh, you know, for coming in and being an activist. Uh, the, the one thing I have always said is that everybody has a role to play, no matter what your background is. You know, some people are the activists that, you know, want to work in the nonprofits. But you know what? There are some people who go off and do other careers, like engineers or accountants and stuff like that. And they play, they have a role to play too. They bring valuable skills and, more importantly, valuable contacts. You know, too. So everybody has a role to play. Like for me, I, I don't have a filmmaking degree. <laughs> but I made a film, you know, because I felt like yeah, I've made three films now, actually. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if it's necessarily what you study, but it's also just, I mean, I do have a poetry writing background, but that's not always the same thing as making films. But I think it's just this idea of, like, you know, knowing how to tell stories and then being curious enough to learn the actual things. And particularly these days, because so much of it is do-it-yourself, right? Um, you know, that everybody can find a role for themselves, you know? So, yeah. Uh, does that help you or encourage you or not? Uh, or do you want more specific? I want to talk to you on a little bit, but I yeah. think in general, I think it's a good sentiment to Okay, okay, good. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah, I just want to respond to this person. Regarding Corby's life, I met Corby Lee when I was 15 years old, 1975. I'm 62, so uh, at Project Reaches, and we would have a dorm room set up, and this was at-risk youth, physical kids that were prone uh, to joining the gang, uh, and, and he, he, he showed me that uh, even, even though he was uh, just almost 10 years older than me, that he, he was accessible. He was able to, he, he never went to art school. Mm. I did. In fact, I got into the high school art design. And my parents were appalled. Aww. <laughs> uh, my major was film. Uh, I got in. I couldn't get into Brooklyn Tech or Stuyvesant, which were the elite school, yeah. because I can't do math. <laughs> But uh, I just wanted to share that. And he, he told me how the establishment would set up robots 
for it. He couldn't get in. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing that I think he kind of had an advantage was that he was able to be stoic enough to step back from the Chinese community because he actually can speak Chinese. Mm -hmm. Those who knew him, um, I'm Toy San, by the way. Yay, Toy so, San, too. So, so, Oi, Ping. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's uh, get involved in your community. Yeah. Uh, disadvantage you. Uh, you know, teach them a skill. Whether you're doing a, a, an audio documentary, recording something, find something that yeah. is useful that talks <laughs> about that community that makes them that community unique. So that's that's what I'm saying. Thank you for that comment. Yes. This documentary, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing this documentary uh, movie. Uh, Open certain moments for me growing up as a teacher back in the 50s. Mm. But what I would like to ask or and suggest is uh, Ari, I mean, do you think that through Ari or his college uh, appeal to the family? A beautiful letter and let them know how important to have these photographs in a certain place so that they can be viewed by the Asian community. I mean, family disputes get very ugly yeah. and it can take years yeah. before those photographs are released. So it would seem to me that some type of intervention by a prestigious university appeal to the family and let them know it's clear. I think that's a wonderful suggestion. If there, if there was someone or an institution that, that could broker it, that'd be wonderful. Because I think that is exactly what Corky would want to happen, right? Because Corky would want to share his photographs, I would imagine, with people. You know, and for the benefit of the community. Because he was very generous with his photographs. You would take photographs and you just hand it out to people afterwards, you know, of the community groups, right? Yeah, so I, I feel like that is in the spirit of Corky. So again, you know, hopefully, um, you know, calmer heads will, will prevail, as they say. Yeah. And, and, and I've noticed that a lot of his photographs are just on the Internet for, for anyone without any copyright attached to it. You know, I, I, I think a lot of us have some kind of connection to, to Corky Lee. My my connection, you know, after seeing him at the at the Ari fundraisers, but when I first met my husband on a blind date, we went to the Sunsing Theater in Chinatown. It's not there anymore. It's like an awful strip mall right now. But yes, under the bridge, and I think a lot of people learned different languages just by going to the Chinese theaters in Manhattan's Chinatown. Wasn't it a good deal? <laughs> you could have... I watched the ones, I watched the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can't beat that deal. And, you know, years later, after we were married, after we had kids, I just Googled Sunsing Theater. And this picture, this black and this beautiful black and white picture comes up. And, you know, I thought it was a great picture. And it was only like even many years later that I realized the person who took that picture was Corky Lee. And it's just Loading on the internet. I printed it out. It is on my bedroom. <laughs> yes.
Yeah, thank you. That is the hope. Um, you know, for for me, I mean, like, uh, you know, we have our film, um, and I know there's another film that's out there that's a, a, a feature link that also uh, is out there, and there's a book coming out um, from Random House or Penguin uh, next year. But one of the things that I would like to see happen, I don't know how much time I have to devote to because I have other projects I'm working on, but... Um, one of the things that we did, uh, I think, a month or two ago was that we did a screening at the ICP, the International Center on Photography. And, again, uh, I would like Corky to get his own solo show here. And I know that would be a really prestigious place. So um, I, I've, I, we were planting the seed. One of the reasons why we wanted to do the screening there was to show them that he could have support. And the one, one thing that they said to us afterwards was that they said it was the um, largest screening they ever had there you know, at their space. So that really caught their attention. And since then, um, they said they want to uh, talk to me again, like the next time I'm in town. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do this because I'm still here short. But then I also uh, met with uh, someone who's the head of another museum that I was touring at in Michigan, who's actually friends with the head of the, here. And he's, he's, he sent an email to uh, push him a little bit to do it. So if you guys have any contacts of the ICP, you know, I think that is probably where I would love people's communities' efforts to go to is to somehow get Corky his show there. You know, I think that would be a real big honor for him. A good backer is, is uh, I can't think of his name right now. He's the mm. head of the Ford Foundation. Mm. Uh, I think it's Daryl Walker. Mm. And he's pro-community. Um, so 
Yeah, anybody who has any context of funding or spaces or whatever, but I know that I, I feel like, I feel like for me personally, that would be like giving Corky what he ultimately, you know what I mean? Um, but again, I'm not a I'm not a specialist in that. I've never organized a show. I don't I don't even live in New York, so it might be up to you, you New Yorkers, to sort of you know do this. I'll put it. I'll throw it back to you guys. You know what I mean? We'll yeah. work on it. Yeah. Uh, yes, in the back. God, yeah, if you, could, if you have a connection there, that'd be really wonderful. But you're right. It's always been very challenging for artists of color to break through to these mainstream institutions. Partly is because they just don't know if there's an audience out there. But it's, a, it's a, one of the things like the cart before the horse, right? It's like, if you never try to reach out to these audiences, right, how, do you, how can you say they don't exist? And so it's like, this is where maybe we, unfortunately, have to do the heavy lifting of showing them, hey, MoMA, hey, ICP, there is an audience. We do have artists that we feel speak for our community. You have to listen, you know, and not just be the gatekeepers yourself, right? I mean, it should be a communication between the communities of New York, right? Like, as to who are the artists that are oftentimes working in these communities that they may not uh, be aware of, right? Or may not understand the significance of these people. But if the communities are coming out and saying, hey, these people are significant to us, then hopefully they will listen, right? And that, that'll, that'll change their attitude about some of these things and how they make their decisions. This is not just Corky Lee. There, there, are, there are so many other very talented artists of color out there who are frankly just shut out of these spaces. Or, or I should rather say not invited to these spaces. Yep. You know, who should be invited. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, the lady in the blue? Uh, you had your hand up before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she, I, I asked her to let her go first. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Hi. Um, I just wanted to thank you for pushing forward and finishing this film. I am um, a lawyer at the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. And I unfortunately only got to know Corky. Um, well, before I joined the staff, but you know, he was always present um, at events beyond all the Um, 
city and you know Chinatown because it, you, you basically recreated the original photograph taken of uh, like white people at the point where the transcontinental railroad met and um, it effectively replaced the people who were the historical photo with descendants of Chinese relatives. So I, I hope that that can be incorporated in your ideas for giving for his due. Well, I mean, that's why we ended the film with that, because um, for people who knew Corky, he oftentimes talked about that being the inspiration as to why he went into photography, was the photograph that he saw as a child of the uh, old photograph uh, in Utah with no Asians in, in that photograph. And so for us, it was sort of symbolic that we take this journey with him and we end on the photo of, you know, the thing that inspired him to, to, to start his whole life's journey. And in some ways, it's, it's sort of, uh, to us, we feel like it's an acknowledgement to him saying, okay, you did it, you completed it, you righted the wrong that you first uh, set out. Yeah. I don't know, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but that's why, that's why we chose that as the final photo, because it, it, it was the cause of his life's mission, right? Yep. Okay. Loretta? Yeah. Hi. Um, oh, I'm a party a long time. He was a journalist in his own way. I was a journalist also. We were part of AAJA. And I just wanted to share the inside of Corky. Because Corky would always think about everybody. I wasn't able to go to anything outside of New York, so when he went to California, he brought me back to the AAJA cap, the AAJA bag. I didn't ask him, you know, he just wanted it. And I, I don't know if if any of you know this, but I consider Corky an Asian American studies activist. Why? Because what he was doing was rooted in Asian American history and making that history. And what about learning about it in the book? And as a founding member of ARI, and we have many ARI board members here, uh, and you should all raise your hands, please be proud of what ARI has done. Um, ARI has come, you know. Corky came to almost every area that we've yeah. been in existence for how many years, right? 20 yeah. years, whatever yeah. it is. And, you know, we, we always had these side conversations about the need for Asian American studies. I really want to focus this. Because, you know, as a matter of fact, Ari has several videos and records of his lectures, comments that yes. he made. When I was in the room with him and we were talking about having Asian American studies killing white, no. No, Corky said no, it has to be from kindergarten on up, and he was so right to make that correction. Yep. Because you have to, you really have to concentrate on the public school system, all the way up through college, but also fight the exclusion. So even in other conversations, you know, we, when we have conversations, we talk about how we bring this out to a larger audience. When we have conversations with Washington, for instance, we would say, the way you address this is to put it in the books, yep. the school books. And this all came from our conversations with someone like Corky. Now, first, I want to thank you for making this film because it was very emotional. You know, it, was, it touched on things. I know Corky well, but it touched on things that I didn't know. For instance, about what happened in this book. He was very, very private about that. So I was like, that was, that was really, I said, yeah, this would be Corky. You know, but this is the part I didn't see that he, he was afraid to share with all of us. 
So I, I really appreciate that, and I, and I really pull at my heartstrings. And, and all of those pictures that he takes, I've seen those pictures. I've been to all his exhibits. He's, he's come down to Ari, and he always at the banquet, he would generously donate pictures. He would put up a display. When he was at Pearl River Mart, I went down there to see his exhibit down there. And my favorite one was Gracely Box. So when I went down there, I asked Marky, I said, take a picture of me with Grace Box. And I put my shirt out like this. And that's my favorite picture that he has taken of me with one of his pictures. So you know, there's, there's all of this, these other little parts of Corky that people don't know about. Um, I knew about him with Abby, with the, you know, they wanted to do it. He didn't want to do that. <laughs> he was very, I guess you could say, and, and you know what, when we talk about putting his stuff online, he yeah. really was very careful with his photos. He did not want his things being thrown around carelessly. So he would be like, I would want to know what's being done with this. I don't want people making the decision for me, and I'm yeah. going to speak for them as someone who knew him. And, um, you know, like, we all have photos, yeah. That's fine, you know, to share that. But with his photos, I know he always told me, people will use my photos, I'm not getting my I don't know who he would have given anything to if anything was to be made from these photos because he didn't foresee this happening. Yeah. But I would think, you know, that he was very close to Karen Chow and his family yeah. and it should be something that they decide. I don't care what people say. You know, and, and the thing is that um, with Corky, all those pictures, we, we lived during that time. My husband recognized the guy in the front line of the protest. He says, that's George's brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about, exactly. Yeah. Like, we need the community right. you know, to be able to identify these people. And, and when we have conversations with Corky, there's things that we can talk about that other people would never understand. Corky came to us like a brother, mm -hmm. like someone we all had this secret history that we all knew, you know, because we all came from the same place. And you talk about Toysan, you know, and, and just like, that's another thing. I didn't speak Chinese, he didn't speak Chinese. But we all wanted to know about ourselves. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with everybody. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I think that we have a lot of video of him, archives of things that he said yes. that were very important. Yeah. It was his actual voice that needs to be focused on also. What he, what he was championing. championing which is, you know, Asian, I thought to my heart, was, my heart has always been, let's have Asian-American studies, let's have equity, yep. Yep. let's have inclusion, and I still don't see it. Yep. I don't see it. I'm sorry. Midori? So, I, I do know, as I recall, I see... I'm sorry, I can't hear. I, I didn't know the director... Oh, you do? Is it David Little? Yeah, okay. Someone just emailed him for me. Uh, uh, from the Cranbrook Museum in Detroit. They knew him, so. But yeah. I was just thinking maybe Smithsonian might be a better place. And Who might be? Wait, wait, there's there's the there's yeah. the New York City but, noises. Uh, my question is who is going to put this together and and then I can make the 
people next to uh, Well, uh, who would put together an exhibit? Um, uh, like, Guys, well, legally, the family, so it would be his brother, so I could put you in contact with them, um, you know. But yeah, I'm not an expert in, in curating art exhibits or anything like that, so you guys can make that decision for people like you who are experts in this. Maybe the Smithsonian is the better place, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, they need the flexion, and, uh, you know, the African-American has been there. Well, one, one thing that I did hear about the Smithsonian on any of the collection, because there is a question of where would this collection be housed, right? Um, and so the, the thing that I've heard from other people is that until the collection is all underneath one roof, no institution wants to engage in any discussions about obtaining that collection because they don't want to be... They want to know exactly what they're buying or what they're what they're getting. They don't want to be surprised and say, like, oh, well, there's this other stuff later on. So until, again... The people that are involved learn to somehow, you know, work together. You know, maybe there are a lot of people, like people in this room, who are anxious to preserve Corky's legacy, but we're sort of caught, right? Because, you know, because they are the key players. They're the ones who have to solve this. You know what I mean? And then how about, like, the museum of Chinese in the Americas? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, people, I, I don't know the politics, I, and yeah. I, that's why I hesitate to, like, say too much, because I know yeah. that there's a lot of <laughs> things lot going, of going on here going on. in the New York Chinese community. I don't know who likes who. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, you know, I, I let you guys all uh, hash that out amongst yourself as to why some people work together with each other and some don't. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. very wise, Kurt. Kurt is very wise. Yeah. <laughs> People like myself, you know. Yes. So I think I think uh, that's something to be uh, cherished to me, mm -hmm. you know. I totally agree. Anyone else? Yes. 
film, so shifting gears a little bit. So you said that you started this as sort of a story about gentrification and so on, and now you've pivoted to a story about Portland. Could you um, talk about a couple of moments or scenes that you that were in the previous version and then you pivoted and transformed it? Yeah, so most of the other uh, footage that we have of him um, was interviewing him about uh, imagery because that's his expertise. So we wanted to connect the um, xenophobic imagery of Chinese in America from the beginning to the images that we still see. So he did a lot of um, discussions about like some of the advertisements that you saw, the anti-Chinese pictures of Chinese people eating rats. And then he also, we walked around Chinatown a lot with him, touring, um, you know, because part of his uh, photographs were to combat that, right, to show the real side of it. And so that that's his role in the film, was to talk about how that contributed to some of the um, isolation, the ghettoization that the Chinatown communities often felt, right, or the need to have the Chinatown. So in that way, he was sort of setting it up. So we have we have lots of footage of him talking about, you know. No, no. Um, but on Canopy, it, it'll actually be called Dear Corky and Other Stories from Chinatown. And so basically, uh, it will include the short. We, we took the footage that we did have of uh, someone in Boston, Paul Lee, who does housing rights there. Um, Ada Tong, who is a... She was a, a field rep for a politician, the first Asian-American politician in Illinois, and uh, Gloria Choi, who was a school principal in San Francisco. So, um, I mean, they're, they're good shorts, but they're, they're, we didn't film them as much as we got Corky. So with Corky, we were able to have an arc with his story. But with theirs, uh, you know, we do, we do feel like it's worth putting it out because they do bring up issues, you know, but they don't go as personal as the other one. But that, that'll all be part of that thing. It might be useful to your class still, because they are shorts. The other ones are like seven to 10 minutes. And so you can pick and choose which ones you might want to use for your class instead. Yeah. Well, I wanted to um, end with asking, what's your next project, Curtis? I love it when they ask stuff like that. Uh, uh, yeah, so I do have some commercial projects I'm working on. Um, the big news, well, the small news, and I'll build up to the big one, is that so uh, last year I wrote an article for Bon Appetit magazine, and it was just selected for Best Food Amer American Food Writing 2023. So that's an anthology. Yeah, it's a pretty prestigious anthology. Um, I'm also working on a, um, a couple uh, TV projects uh, for PBS. It's a kid series. Uh, and then the other one is for Warner Brothers, which is young adult, more teen wow. stuff. So I'm doing that. Uh, but the real big project is the book that I have coming up. And so I have uh, cards if you guys are interesting, interested. So um, this is how I sort of spent COVID. And this is the project that was competing is that I wrote this memoir. And it's called Everything I Learned. I Learned in a Chinese Restaurant. And it's about growing up in my family's business in Detroit. And this is during the AIDS, uh, 80s, during the AIDS you know, crack cocaine, the height of the anti-Japanese sentiment. Um, I knew five people that had been murdered by the time I was 18, including Vincent Chin, who was a close family friend. My uncle was his best man. Um, oh you know, God. so, you know, that was my childhood growing up in Detroit. But within all this craziness, we had this fabulous Chinese restaurant that my parents provided for us, this safety, this nurturing, and these values that they taught us. And it's about this really wonderful, you know, uh, Chinese restaurant in, inside the mayhem of Detroit. And so um, uh, I sold it last year to, to uh, Little Brown. It went into an auction 
Look, it's a bidding war between all the publishers. Wow. It's sold in three weeks. It's pretty amazing. I already have interest from Oscar-winning producers and wow. even, like, theater producers, you know, that want to turn it into a musical. I can't imagine this being a wow. musical, but... I think it'd be a great musical. Yeah, so, um, but it's really great, and I... I'm doing what's called a pre-launch right now, so I've been read, um, going around reading about it. I'm actually going off to Europe next week already because I have three schools in the Netherlands and two in Germany that already want me to talk about the book. I mean, so hopefully this will be a really, really big book. I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, so my hometown of Detroit, the Ford Motor Company is doing a kickoff there. The Detroit Historical Museum is going to do an exhibit of the old Chinatown that existed there. The Free Press is doing an excerpt of it. The local PBS station is doing a... Um, 30-minute special on my family's restaurant. So this is a great Chinese restaurant. It was founded by my great-grandfather in 1940. And uh, in the 60 years that we owned it, I always like to ask people, guess how many egg rolls we sold in those 60 years? Wow. And this is all handmade, like even the skin and the sauce. Wow. Any, any restaurant owners here or math majors? I worked at my dad's restaurant, so I'm saying a million. Anybody else? In 60 years, we sold 10 million egg rolls. Oh, my God. That's why, that's why everybody in Detroit really wants to do it, because they want me to do a pop-up restaurant. They want me to, like, you know, bring back the restaurant. So that's my big thing. And so um, I have cards here, and we're really trying to push pre-orders. So if you could pre-order it, that would be really helpful. A uh, hint is that Barnes & Noble is putting it on sale next week uh, for 25% off. So if you order between the 26th and the 29th, you get 25% off, you know. Um, but that would really help me, because my, my publishers have said, you know, if you want to try to make it onto one of these things at the New York bestsellers list, you have to sell about 5,000 copies, you know, between. And so that's why I've been, like, traveling around the U.S. since February. I will definitely pre-order it. Oh, great. Thank you. Is yeah. Is No. Um, sadly, when my, uh, when my dad passed away uh, in a car accident, um, I had to actually, you know, go back home to, to deal with some of these issues. You know, I, I was working on a Disney Channel show at the time. I had to leave. I was stuck home, you know, in Michigan for about six months, you know, and that's when I made my first film about Vincent Chin was the Vincent Hu film. But interestingly, I just got an email yesterday from somebody who bought the building, and he sort of asked me, so is there anybody in your family that would want to come back and, you know, reopen a Chinese restaurant? Because it's part of the whole revitalization of Detroit, right? A lot of people moving in. Um, and so our restaurant, I'd like to think, as you know, was the iconic restaurant of Detroit, and that's why... I, you know, he put out this feeler. So I'm supposed to talk about Monday. I don't think I'll go back in the restaurant business, but someone you know. in your family might. So no, no, nobody you wants. Don't know. Yeah. Huh? What was the name? It was called Chung's. Chung's. Yeah, Chung's. Did it have neon lights? Did you? Are you from Detroit? No. No. Uh, no, we can't. I don't know what happened to those lights. You know. So part of the exhibit, I, I was able to track down the um, lanterns inside. Uh, my uncle um, actually says he knows who has them. Wow. You know what I mean? Is there a picture of it on the internet? Uh, yeah, but the, it's mostly the, the really sad picture of it, you know, after you... Uh, you can look it up. I mean, it... it, it C-H-U-N-G-S. Um, it's like, it's pictures from like the 2000s when it's like Detroit looks like a worn out, like bombed out city. It's really, yeah, it's, it's really fallen in really hard times. Um, but they're trying to revitalize that area. They've even rebranded it. It used to be called the Cass Corridor. It was really like the red light district. I jokingly said in the book, it's like, you know, red was a lucky color to Chinese people. That's why we ended up in the red light district. <laughs> they didn't quite understand that, you know. But, um, 
they've rebranded it Midtown now, so okay. I don't know. Very classy, uh, very classy. But yeah, but I'm excited because, like I said, the History Museum also wants to do a tour of the locations in it. So it'd be a nice re recovery or rediscovery tour of, of the Chinese community in Detroit. You know, because my family. Okay, I'll share one last show. My family arrived in Detroit in the late 1800s when my great great grandfather moved from Canton, China, to Canton, Ohio, thinking there were Chinese people there, but not finding any, and then moving back up, moving up to Detroit. I so, love that. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, it's a humor book. It's it's even though you have all this craziness, it's a humor book. So. Just a quick question. Mm. Um, I think I've seen so many pictures of walking. Yeah. And I think what to have. I think that other film, I haven't seen the other film, but I've heard the other film actually has that. And the other difference with the other film is that they actually interview other people talking about Corky, right? So if you're looking for a more 360 degree, that might be a good film for you to check out. But for us, like I said, we wanted to give Corky the stage. That's the difference is that this is all Corky. This is Corky's moment to shine. This is his chance to sort of explain his legacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because we got those photos too, and we were torn because at some point we were like, do we put them in or not? Right? But they weren't taken by Corky, so we're like, no, we're not going to put them in. Yeah. Yeah. It was an artistic decision on our part. It's like every photo you see in here is Corky's. This is Corky's chance to speak for himself and his legacy. I think that's the difference. Yeah. I agree. So I just wanted to thank everybody for coming out today. I wanted to thank Curtis for all his great insight, for Frank, um, Anthony Wong, our ORI, our, our ORI program coordinator, Jay Hershenson, and Lillian Zapita at Queens College for communication, for all their marketing support, and also for the School of Labor for the use of this beautiful space. So thank you, everybody. Thank you.